You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello everybody and welcome to another Fan Critical Podcast where today we will be covering Stranger Things Season 2. We finally got here, we had a slight delay, but we're finally here with our Season 2 coverage. Um, just want to do a slight spoiler warning, we will be talking about, in this podcast, we'll be talking about episodes 1 to 3 of Season 2 of Stranger Things and anything that might have happened in Season 1. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it, it's great. Um, only get up to Episode 3, then come listen to this. Um and then, yeah, you're all good. So joining me today, I have John. Hi. Emma. Hello. And from the upside down, in sort of real life terms, I have Gareth from Australia. Help me. Oh, I'm stuck. I'm in Australia. Yeah. We can't hear you, mate. You're in, you're in the upside down. <laughs> <laughs> so the way we're going to do this is we are going to talk about the first three episodes of... Uh, season two we're going to sort of have a synopsis about each episode and discuss them let's start it off with chapter one we're going to talk about mad max it's been almost a year since the events of season one and everyone is still thinking about them will is being plagued by visions of the upside down as the one year anniversary of this event approaches the visions are getting stronger not only that he's bullied at school and called zombie boy the mysterious and horrible hawkins lab and Dr. Brenner have been replaced by what seems like a nicer version, Dr. Paul Reiser. They examine Will regularly and seem to have an agreement with Hopper and everyone affected by season one's events to keep everything quiet and cooperate. Mike is still missing Eleven and is acting out more and more. Hopper has taken Eleven into his care and is determined to keep her safe from the Hawkins lab and the government. We also have a new character on the scene in Mad Max who quickly catches the eye of Lucas and Dustin. Not only that, we also get a glimpse of the mysterious Eight who has abilities similar to Eleven. So guys, we are back in Hawkins. What do we think about that first episode of season two? Yeah, it was good, I guess. Um, oh, actually, no, no, it was brilliant. Uh, bearing in mind that I've had to suffer watching The Walking Dead recently. Jesus. Um, I don't want to you know, give that a kick in. I'll save that for next week. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was good. It set the scene, didn't it? Uh, I guess there were... There were kind of <clears throat> mixed reviews uh, from a fair few people that I spoke to uh, where they thought it might be a little bit slow. Uh, I didn't think so. I, I, I enjoyed it. I guess Will got a little bit more screen time than I thought he was going to get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was good. Set the scene. New characters. New magical characters. What's going on there? Yeah, what is going on there? So the the, the, the episode opens up with this sort of prologue Um where we follow a new group of characters and we get to see the mysterious eight character, um, which I thought was just great. I thought that was like a, 
I don't know if eight's going to make it into this season, but like, so she obviously has powers similar to 11 and we get that amazing chase scene with the police. Um, Gaz, what did you think about eight's introduction into, into this universe? First of all, I just, I want to go on the record as saying that I love the first episode as well. Um, yeah. And like, I'm totally with, with John. I don't think it was too slow. I, I loved the tone and like the fact that, like the the main focus of a lot of this episode was just shenanigans, wasn't it? Like kids being kids. It was trying to get money for the arcade and like arguing with your sister and being told off for running through the house and worrying about top scores on Dig Dug. Like, you know, stupid little things. And um, despite like everything that they've been through in season one, they're still able to just go back to being kids and, that's what I love. To an extent, I think there, Gareth. I mean, on the surface, you get this impression that, yeah, they're just kids, but they, they obviously are deeply troubled and changed by the events of last year. But I think for the viewer, it was nice to start this season off with a bit more normality and reminding us that they are kids um, and that, you know, they are super nerdy, pretty awesome. Just to go back to your initial question, though, then, um, <clears throat> with eight... Um, if when we were when we did the preview um, for this season, I said I, I was a little bit worried about them kind of expanding the scale of it all. Seeing this, like the opening shot is of Pittsburgh, and my initial thought was like, oh, fuck, it is. It's gonna be like America is under threat from this giant monster. For me, actually, that opening sequence, as cool as it was, and it was cool, I was a little bit. I had reservations. I thought they're going to turn this into a giant monster movie. Well, I think just just take it in isolation at the moment and, and look at eight just in this universe. I mean, we know that 11 is called 11, right? And we know that from season one, we know that all these tests were carried out on children, sort of the MK Ultra program with, with Dr. Brenner, who, who died at the end of season one. Um, so... From my perspective, it's just great to see a further continuation of Eleven's story because we're all a bit worried about, in our preview cast, we're all a bit worried about Eleven. When's she going to turn up? When's she going to do this? We'll talk about her in a little bit. But just this connect to have this connection to another character is amazing, I think. And I think to see someone with similar abilities but slightly different abilities is also really cool. Um, it feeds into this whole... It, and I know you don't like necessarily the expanding of the universe, but if Stranger Things want to, wants to succeed as a, not a franchise, is you know, if it wants to succeed as a brand and, and sort of have a bit more shelf life than just the one season, it's going to need to bring in other characters and it's going to need to sort of expand on some of the questions that it asked in the first season and at the same time, give us a reason to care more about these characters. And if Eleven has someone else other than the boys to sort of care about, like a potential sister of some sort, then um, I just think that's a really strong thing to start the season on. And, and sort of, they might not go anywhere with it. You know, this might be a seeding for the end of the season, or it might be a, it might just come up at the start of season three, potentially, and be more of a thing about eight and 11. But to open with it, I thought was quite a strong move. What I liked about eight was that she has a different ability. Yeah, exactly. I mean, her ability is to sort of manipulate the mind as it, you know, she, she manipulates the mind of, of the policeman 
I don't think necessarily that, that, you know, this needs to run for six seasons. I'm not saying they need to run it into the ground. But what I'm saying is, like, look, if they had just done what they did in season one, the show would lose its power. Like, And, and going back to what what I think season one did well and what we discussed in the preview cast is that it took all these amazing parts from 80s films <clears throat> and, like, adventure films and loads of, like, Stephen King novels and it mm. turned it into this amazing sort of you know, blend of all of those things. Yeah, we've seen that now. We've also seen it all in the 80s film. So we need to expand that and just bring a bit more life into it. Uh, the The title of chapter one is Mad Max and we get introduced to a new character um, in this episode, Max, uh, who her and her brother have moved from, it seems, California. Her brother, Billy, who seems to be a sort of, a, a, a Steve turned up to 11 sort of character. Yes. Pardon the pun, as John always. <laughs> John just hates hates it. Um, <laughs> so, so we've got we've got this Billy and Matt and, and Max as a character. What did you guys, John? What did you think of um, the introduction of Max? Well, it was needed, wasn't it? Uh, I guess like um, I like the idea that uh, they would bring someone else into the group. That uh, there's this idea that girls can't be like geeks and nerds as well yeah definitely uh, they can uh, I'm not sure they play video games in the 80s but you know whatever yeah nowadays loads of girls play games yeah yeah definitely didn't back then so, so fact have a go at that <laughs> um, definitely did definitely not definitely not less than today but, but you are so close John McCann to uh, veering into a David Brent quote here so. <laughs> <laughs> oh am I um, but uh, yeah she's, she seems a good character I think her brother is ridiculous. He's over fantastic. the top. He is so over the top. He's over the top, it's but I kind of like though. it, yeah. yeah. He, he entered that episode to the soundtrack of Rock You Like a Hurricane, yeah. like an absolute boss. Yeah, I that was fantastic. cool. That was yeah. cool. I mean, He's just so, he's over the top aggressive. Yeah, Come on, man. but if we think about Steve in season one and how yeah. he came across, he was very over the top, sort oh, of I like... I don't know if he was that bad. No, he's not, he's not as bad, but he was sort of, sort of this stereotypical you know when you used to watch these these old films these 80s films you know bully sort of character yeah yeah. he's all right i quite like him yeah and and we hope that max sort of uh as we discover in his first three episodes we you know we see her sort of maybe start integrating into the group a little bit um which does cause some tensions but i think that she's (laughs) much needed refresher in the group now they've lost 11 to an extent um they need this new characters to sort of like shake things up a bit I think I think that's really good to have her in there obviously a sort of like a thing that came out of uh, season one was um, and I know and obviously everyone sort of you know saw all the memes and everything was the sort of love for Barbara the love for Barb you know R.I.P. Barb um, she was shit I mean strong <laughs> strong <laughs> Strong from John, didn't know that was coming don't in. Don't she was a plot device. Um, she has a cult following. Like you don't realise it. She's got a massive cult following. But Barb is is a is a theme that's running through this episode, um, especially with obviously Nancy still dealing with the death of her best friend. And uh, I thought the scene where her and Steve go over to Barb's parents' house and eat KFC was a bit hilarious. Did anyone else think that was a bit weird? It was so awkward. It was a bit weird. Yeah. It's a bit weird, isn't it? But um Oh, we're fat parents and we love chicken. Nom nom the chicken. And out the impressions come yet again. Well, because because Barb's fat, her parents definitely have to be fat. Barb's and all they fat. do is eat Yeah, I mean not her face, but 
Come on. No, that's puppy <laughs> fat. She's hell. 16. It's puppy fat. Leave I'm not having a go at her. Fucking hell. Like, I'm, she's, yeah, I'm I mean, sure I she's a lovely that. girl. Well, if they're eating KFC for dinner every night, then that says so, it all. So, for me, you, that was a really weird scene for a start. Mm-hmm. But the whole way through this episode, <laughs> and I imagine throughout this season... <laughs> I like tiki. Yes, again, like in season one... Barb is a plot device for Nancy to develop as a character. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> and now like, it's dead, Barb. Is anyone else really liking Steve more more this time round? Like, I just found it in this first episode. I, I I preferred him so much more. Obviously, last season he sort of he's, he's turned his corner. Hasn't he's he? turned his corner, and now he's just kind of like he's kind of this cool. He's always been like a cool in the universe, cool guy. But he's he seemed a lot more sort of viewer friendly. You know, yeah. I, I definitely was rooting more for Steve, especially that, that KFC scene, he made me laugh when he yeah. was like, oh, I love, I love the Colonel, <laughs> whatever yeah. he was saying, it's so good. He is, he yeah, is getting smiled, better. They smiled back with their happy, greasy, chubby faces. Chicken faces. <laughs> yes. Like, this is ridiculous, man. His face, when, um, when Nancy said like, oh yeah, let's, where did she go? She went off somewhere with Barb's mum. She went to the bathroom yeah. to cry. She went to the bar room. To the bar room. She went into the bar room. Also, pictures of Barb in the bathroom. Yeah, there's, really there's pictures of Barb in the bathroom. That was fucked up. <laughs> that was a bit weird. When that you, was weird, She's yeah. going to go for a piss. Barb looking at me. Yeah. bit weird, again. Um, she's going for a shit. Oh, look, it's my dead daughter. <laughs> Just like the old days when she used to come and watch me have a shit. <laughs> when we used to shower together. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's taking a dark turn. <laughs> It's taking a very dark turn. I think let's, I need to drink more. This, time. this is not working. Let's move it off, Barb. Um, That's what yeah. he said. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh. So did anyone think that, um, obviously in the first season, uh, we had the boys playing Dragon's Lair, um, sort of like Dungeons and Dragons, as John rightly pointed out in the preview cast, like um, it's not Dungeons and Dragons, it's Dragon's Lair. Did anyone think, else think it's cool how they've moved off the sort of tabletop board game arena and gone to the arcade i love the fact that now there's like this 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 cool arcade they were playing dragon's lair um the computer game the the arcade game and they were also um playing dig dug so did anyone else like the fact that there's now this arcade setting and they're sort of ramping up that 80s nostalgia in that respect i'm loving it um you know i'm all about retro gaming as well so it's delightful to see those classics in action and Again, it just makes you want to be there, doesn't it? Like you just wish that you were growing up in Hawkins in the 80s, as long as there weren't demogorgons around. Our main protagonist of this season, and sort of, as we discussed in the preview podcast, the main protagonist of last season was Will, in a way, even though we never really saw him. He obviously got snatched by the demogorgon in the first episode, like the very first prologue of the episode. Um, and now he's... You know he's back. The whole the whole story of season one was to to rescue Will, and now he's been rescued. He's clearly a year on from these events. He's clearly not the same Will that we might have got to know back in season one. He is having these uh, what we believe to be visions of the upside down still. And as we saw at the end of season one, he spits out uh, the slug thing, like the one of the last scenes of the season. He spits out some sort of slug or pulls out some goo from the upside down. So we know that Will's changed and we were we were a bit worried about the fact that the season might focus on him. Are you guys still worried about that fact? Like he seems to be at, at the moment a, 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 the strong protagonist of the season. I think we 
questioned, um, not like out of any malice, but just because we didn't know how good an actor he would be. Noah Schnapp. Noah Schnapp. Noah and, Schnapp. Um, uh, just just because he was obviously a character that was a minor character in terms of screen time, like you said last season, so we didn't know. But um, I yeah. guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit because I'm talking about the first three episodes. I think it's pretty clear that he's actually a wicked little actor, and he fits in perfectly. Like he could have easily been given as much screen time as any of the other um, troop. He's a bit of a pussy, though, isn't he? Well, he has been through quite a lot, mate. I know, but come on, fucking hell. No, but I mean that is the that is the character of Will Byers, though. Will, Will, Will was always described in season one as this sort of weak, not weak character, but he he was more sort of removed from the boys in terms of he wasn't as boisterous. We got the impression that from the flashback scenes with him and, and Joyce in Castle Byers and the fact that he was he was quite... Rem- and even his brother Jonathan's quite the same way in a way that he sort of removes himself from sort of the he's, popular sort of um, he's scenarios. He's considered, I think, as a Considered as a is a good way to describe him, yeah. Um, and I suppose more introvertly intellectual than extrovertly... Anything. To yeah. Be honest. I, actually, I thought he was quite sweet. Yeah, he's very sweet. He's so very I'm excited sweet. to see how he how he develops through season two. Why are they mates with him? Because he has some other mates. Because he's just a like. But also, they Mike, all seem a like more of a laugh. Yeah, but yeah. it's like the losers' club. Like in like we talked about Stephen we'll King just a lot. Have anyone then? Will they? Well, we talked about we talked oh, about Stephen cool. King and how he influenced his novels and the stories that he wrote. Sort of influenced some of Stranger Things and. And like the losers club in it is very similar. Like there's, you know, it's this mollycoddle group of, of kids that don't really belong in the social sort of tier of high school, mm. um, but they've banded together and they like similar things. Like you know, Will clearly likes Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons Lair, all of these things, and that fits in nicely with Mike and Dustin and Lucas, and they've sort of banded together in this lovely way, which. Which is why we love them because they have this this great friendship and it makes it believable and we worry about them because of this you know because they because they're so close as characters we we root for them as a team. I think the point we probably need to make is that friendship groups can have similar interests but completely differing personalities. I mean, look at I'm the state. To find that. At the look at the Jesus. state of us five. Yeah, that is true. Now, you that know, is we've lost Lucy. No, but like, we're all really silly. different personalities in a lot of ways, but we have similar interests. Yeah. And that, you know, it is very much a losers club kind of thing. Let's talk about the return of Eleven, which we were worried was going to be delayed in this season. We thought, you know, oh, is she alive? You know, we got that tease at the end of season one where uh, Hopper was leaving Egos in a box or whatever. Um, we sort of had the impression that she was still alive. Turns out she is. And she's under the care now of Hopper, um, maybe filling a void for his lost daughter which we learned about in season one what do you guys think about the return of eleven in the first episode how did he know to put that food in that box and where she was how has this even happened mm. well we've seen episode two so we sort of get those flashbacks but but, it, but, but also, it is a bit it's still it not explained in the first three episodes one, yeah, mm. in the first three episodes, it's still not explained how Hopper knows that she's going to be there. Yeah, how I did Hopper think that was weird. Has any idea? I wonder if that has anything to do with that bit at the end of season one where he's taken off and obviously told not to tell anyone anything, and now he's he's you know whether he's got some kind of insider knowledge. But I still, it has not been explained to me how the hell he knows that she's going to find those egos in that goddamn box in the middle of the woods. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but I like the fact that I like the fact that Hopper Hopper now has a bit more of a 
not only has he got a bit more of a role to play with Eleven as in terms of her carer and sort of developing her as a character, like teaching her English and, 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 and sort of nurturing her, he also has to be the sort of bridge between the weird Hawkins lab people and and the town as well. So he's got to like keep this all sort of covert and under wraps. And I like the fact that they sort of have this mutual understanding with the weird lab people to keep everything that happened in season one under wraps, which obviously they're struggling more and more to do um, in this season. So I just thought I, th- I think it's good that Hopper's now got like you know fingers in lots of pies. He's got he's he's. I was worried about Hopper yeah. at the start of this season that he wouldn't have much. You know, we thought he was we predicted that he might die this season, right? But now he's got such a bigger role than I anticipated in this first episode that mm. I, I'm very happy for that because he's a great actor. David Harbour is fantastic. David Harbour's a great actor and, and he's also just, he's really doing a good job of just selling Hopper at the moment. Uh, you know, buy Hopper now. He's hot. Get him. Um, <laughs> speaking of new additions to the cast, um, was anyone very excited to see Samwise Gamgee in Stranger Things? Yes. I was absolutely over the moon. I actually paused it and went, fucking Samwise is here. He's had some chicken, hasn't he? <laughs> he's, he's had some chicken. <laughs> he's had he's some had chicken. Some um, <clears throat> yeah, it was cool, wasn't it? I mean, look, he's, uh, his roots are in uh, the Goonies. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's good to see him in there. Yeah, great to see him um, in there. And also, uh, as Lucy would have pointed out if she was here, it's good to see you know, Sam reunited with a, a mini, mini Frodo. Oh, in uh, in the wet little wheel buyers. Yeah, that's true. He's got someone, you know, Mister Frodo. Yeah, there you go. That's that's his guide. Um, hopefully not as gay as they are. To be honest. No, I mean more inappropriate. S- very inappropriate. I mean Samwise and, and Frodo, as we know, lovely sort of bromance. Frost yeah. alive. Doesn't um, work if you're like in your forties. And he's like seven or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I was going to say, Bob seems like a lovely guy, doesn't he? Anybody slightly suspicious, though, that maybe he's too nice? I just feel like that could be a sort of character where at the end he's like, sorry, guys, um, I'm actually Jennifer. Actually, Jennifer. His name's Jennifer, and it's a woman. I think... <laughs> God. Yeah. I think what's interesting is, I think they say it in this, in this first ep- uh, three-episode run that that Bob went to high school with Joyce and Hopper. So we got in the first season the fact that Hopper and um, Joyce went to the same school and now there's this new character, which is like Bob. And, and and he was like bullied in there. Obviously Hopper was like one of the cool kids when they were kids or whatever. And yeah. and Bob the Bob the Brain, I think they call him, was, yeah. wasn't. Um, so, so he has got like, he's not like he's just come from nowhere. It's not like they don't know this guy, that they grew up with him, you know what I mean? So... Yeah. I agree with you in that respect. I hope he's not some sort of spy because I really like... Is it Sean, Sean Austin, isn't it? Sean Astin. Sean Astin. I really like Sean Astin. And um, I liked what he was doing in this episode. And I think he's a great little addition um, to the cast. So we move on to episode two, Trick or Treat Freak, which is uh, chapter two of this season. It's Halloween night and the boys go trick-or-treating as Ghostbusters and accidentally turn up to school wearing costumes where no one else does, which I thought was great. (laughs) They invite Mad Max along, which annoys Mike, who continues to be in a mood and act out because of Eleven. Will has another vision and is chased by a giant upside-down monster that we're going to call the Shadow Demon. 
Hopper investigates a pumpkin plague that is destroying lots of local pumpkin farms and the surrounding area. He forgets about Eleven and is promised with her to watch scary films and eat candy. And she gets very upset. So, episode two. Um, I think this is starting to feel more like Stranger Things now. Mm. Um, I thought the first episode was like your typical catch-up episode. It was like, look... Look at all these 80s references. Look at all of these characters. This is where they are. You know, this is where their headspace is at. The, the typical setup episode that you have to have for these sorts of things. This felt to me like they were finding a bit more of a rhythm and it was more sort of back into the groove of Stranger Things of season one where it didn't need to do that, you know. Um, I thought <laughs> the use of Halloween and the fact that this is released around Halloween is great. Um what did you guys think about the boys in their Ghostbuster outfits and their proton packs? Well, I love it because that was the year that it that the Ghostbusters came out as well, wasn't it? So it would have been yeah. like one of the hot franchises of the year. So when Lucas was wearing the uniform, oh yeah, uh, oh so and before good. they even brought it up, oh so good, uh, and he had the the Venkman oh. thing on his top. I turned to Michelle and I was like, "What's he doing?" <laughs> Obviously, he's got to be Winston. Yeah. And like, I was, what do you mean, why? Well, this is good. It's so obvious. No way. Like, that's mental. Well, look, if we were going to be the band Blue, and it was us three and one of our friends that happens to be black, I'm not going to jump and go, oh, I want to be Simon. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work. Right. I think what John's trying to say is the fact that they were very cleverly subverting the sort of trope that, you know, look, we all love the Ghostbusters, right? We absolutely all love the Ghostbusters films, one and two. Forget about the reboot. But um, the fact that they're, they're subverting the fact that they, you know, that, that Lucas has to be Winston because he's black, right? But I love the fact that they brought that up in such a sort of clever way with the kids, mm. like that he wanted to be Bankman. Venkman. Uh, Venkman, sorry. And the fact that, that you know, Mike was explicitly saying what John was just saying, that Lucas has to be Winston because of the colour of his skin. Now, I love the fact that they addressed that and I love the fact that Lucas didn't want to be Winston. Do you know what I mean by that? Because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, his point is valid. His point no is very valid. No I mean, Winston did... Like they say, Winston did just join the movie like two-thirds of the way through and you're like, what the fuck is this? It's like someone got the script and thought, oh, wait a minute, we better add a character here. Yeah. No, but you know what happened there, though? It was supposed to be Eddie Murphy. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. What, in Ghostbusters? Yeah. No actually, way. Yeah, genuinely. Totally well, different story if Winston had been Eddie Murphy. Well, yeah. They'd all want to be him. The boys dress up as these characters for Halloween and I love the fact that this episode is centred around them going trick-or-treating. Here in the UK, trick-or-treating is not as big a thing as it is in America, but I still went trick-or-treating many a time and dressing up dressing up for Halloween is still one of my favourite activities. So I love the fact that they put a lot of effort into it. The pro-on packs were wicked. I love that. And Dustin had his little trap. <laughs> I've got to throw this out here. I think this is the episode where I suddenly went, shit, Dustin is awesome dustin was all dustin dustin is the best dustin. character of last season but i think i and just this didn't realize how cool he was oh he's great um was it is this the episode where he talks about his pearly whites because i was pissing myself i think that's <laughs> my, yeah 
It's so good. He's like, who can resist these pearly whites? Because now he's got teeth. I was absolutely in hysterics. Oh, What's brilliant about that, though, is later on, when his mum is saying the same thing to him. Yeah, so I like the fact that, um, obviously, in the in season one, we had um, Mike's parents, which we saw, and they're kind of funny in their own weird little way especially Mike's dad makes me laugh like he just does he's checked out does not give a shit um but the fact that we got to see the fact that we got to see Dustin's mum it she just seems like exactly what I imagined Dustin's mum to be yeah um kind of like Eddie's mum in it Do you remember Eddie's mum he's the sort of like um yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sort of like that so I love the fact that they brought they're, they're sort of expanding the cast but in these little little ways is great um did anyone else um think that we got a lot of Eleven sort of not backstory but we, we got flashbacks to Eleven at the end of season one and what happened to her in the immediate aftermath of her defeating the Demogorgon she obviously gets transported to the upside down and then breaks somehow opens a portal so her powers seem to be getting stronger she opens like a, a, a portal back to our reality um and then we, we find out how she came into Hopper's care. And as Emma said earlier, that doesn't... We're still a bit confused how Hopper knew she was around. But did anyone else did anyone else like the fact that we, we get in this little, these little nuggets of information about how Eleven got into the situation she's in now? I love that relationship between Eleven and Hopper. Mm. Yeah, yeah. it's very good. Yeah, and I think, as we said earlier, like the fact that Hopper lost his daughter... Sarah. to Sarah to such you know horrible circumstances and we were getting flashes of it in um of of him losing her in the f- season finale of, it, of of season 1 i think it's great now that he has like i said a purpose mm-hmm. like like 11 is his new purpose in life you know because he was a washed out cop and this whole thing last season has reinvigorated him you know and and, and 11 is his new purpose what do you think about that gaz yeah, um, I agree. Like, he, it, it, not just as a as a character for our benefit. Like, um, like you mentioned earlier, you're relieved because you didn't want him to have no point and end up dying. Um, so it's great that he's got he's got this clear narrative purpose. But yeah, as a character, um, added added depth and much needed, and it kind of it helps to f- fulfil his character arc, I guess, doesn't it? Um, I have a minor complaint. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. Uh, so, season one yep. ends very dramatic, kind of by Mike, and then she just yep. disappears. Yeah, very good, very uh, strong. Uh, now, naturally, um, uh, as with you know, the whole Jon Snow thing in Game of Thrones, everyone knew he wasn't dead, he was going to come back. Yeah. You know, in the marketing, Eleven's not dead, she's going to come back. Yeah. But I guess. Uh, to just come back by just opening a portal yeah. and just walking, like literally, <laughs> yeah, in, a, in an hour. It's <laughs> all right, okay. Yeah, it, it kind of kills. Yeah, it kind of kills how dramatic that scene was. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, you're definitely right about Actually, that. I'm back. All oh, right, so, fair enough. You're definitely you're definitely right about the fact that it seemed too easy. Um, which is why we thought originally that Eleven was going to appear later in the season, yeah. and it was going to be more of a like episode five we might have actually like forgotten about 11 or something and then she disappears yeah but so, so i guess uh you know to be realistic about it um it would go the other way if like 11 had nothing to do with the series until episode five everyone would be like what the fuck's going on here yeah but i guess 
So I, I understand they have to bring her back. Oh, she was a breakout star. Yeah. Having said that, I just don't think uh, it just looked too easy to me. It seems that the threat this time, as we've discussed, seems to be a lot larger, literally. So we see when the boys go trick-or-treating, um, Will has another vision. Um, but we're starting to think that now these aren't visions and he's literally sort of treading between the two realms, the upside down or the, the shadow realm, as the boys call it, linking it to Dragon's Lair, mm. and our reality. Um, and what Will sees in this episode is, uh, we've discussed it in the preview podcast, it's in a lot of the marketing. We believe it to be uh, the Thessal Hydra that they sort of talked about at the, at, at the end of season one, which is another <laughs> sort of Dragon's Lair, Dungeon Dragons character. Um, and we see this big Cthulhu, HP Lovecraft creature sort of attack Will in this vision or the Upside Down, whatever it is. Um, what do you guys think about potentially the big bad for this season? You know, the big the big bad being this giant Thessal Hydra type thing. What do you guys reckon to that? I don't think that this uh, big thing will appear uh, in this season, I think it's almost too fantastical. Yeah, or maybe, and like, just uh, can they even do that budget-wise without it looking fucking awful? I mean, I have to say, I don't know what anyone else thinks about uh, talking about budget and and linking it to this giant monster thing. Did anyone else think that the CGI in season one and the sort of effects in season one were, weren't amazing? We're not like going to write home about it. Does anyone think that it? It seems to me the upside down this time seems a lot more computer generated. I think they've jacked it up quite a bit. They have jacked, CGI wise. Yeah, I think the monster looks wicked. Like I think the monster or whatever it is looks great. Yeah. And I, I love I love its design and everything yeah. about. It. And I love that you know that's why I love like monster movies and even things like Alien. Um, and the way that the creature is designed. And I love the creature. I just thought the effects were a bit naff in this season. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, they must have got their budget must be huge compared yeah, to last but, season. But I guess um, it's quite easy to make it look half decent Yeah. Uh, when it's in the background. Yeah. If it got to a stage where it was like smashing houses and destroying the town. Yeah, I never think it's going to... I hope it doesn't get to anywhere near that. Think I hope well. it doesn't. Yeah, no, not I, this no, season. Yeah, anyway. but I, I, okay. So I think that not necessarily because of where the story's going. I just don't think it would be doable. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Do you know what it does remind me of though? It massively reminds me of the War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah, I lo- yeah but definitely. I love that. that kind I absolutely weird love that tripod yeah. thing. And actually, get some of that soundtrack. Well, oh, no, I'm not going to talk about yeah. that now, actually. But just remind me about War of the Worlds comparison. Yeah, I mean War. I love the aesthetics of, of even the old War of the World and even the new one by Steven Spielberg with the tripods yeah. was great. I thought the, the whole look and feel of it was great. Um, good, good, definitely good comparison there. Let's 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 go away from how big the story may see, be seeming to get and, and move on to a bit of a smaller sort of area of it and talk about Nancy and Steve's relationship and how the Halloween uh, episode is great because... Um, not only do you have the boys going trick-or-treating, you have Nancy and Steve going to a Halloween party where Jonathan joins them later on. 
Um, and it's clear to see that, um, you know, Nancy, as we said in the first episode, is still struggling from this post-traumatic stress of Barb's death, having to deal with all the guilt that's weighed upon her, lying to Barb's parents about the fact that she's dead like and they're now spending loads of money on this private investigator Mm. um i love the sort of fact that these kids go to a halloween party and nancy gets really drunk and just sort of essentially almost breaks up with steve in this scene Mm. um what do you guys think about about them as a couple and also the sort of thing that nancy's dealing with i think part of her wanting to kind of get rid of steve yeah uh, it's got nothing to do with his hair because that's great. His hair is um, very good. No, it's, it's good hair. Uh, part of it, I guess, is is the whole like Barb thing. Yeah. Um, but I guess part of it is just you know you, you, when you end season one and you've got them sitting on the sofa. Yeah. Uh, they've kind of made up, but like they have in Steve's mind, they've made up and they've moved on. Yeah. With her, it's kind of like clearly she's not moved on. Yeah. From the Barb thing and everything it kicked off, but also, yeah. you know, she's she's she didn't crack on with uh, what's his name? Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan, who has shit hair by the way. Yeah, he's got shit hair. Uh, and terrible dress sense, a moody looking face. Uh, wow. He's got nothing going for him. He's a photographer. Uh, he's a good photographer. I don't good think that's true. That that's very good. Yeah. In my books. I think his hair is fine. It's no Steve hair though, is it? No, I mean, Steve's Steve. hair Steve's is hair very is immaculate. Ridiculous. I mean, I wish no. I had Steve's stylist every day. Steve's hair looks like my mother's hair when she married my dad in 1984, which was fucking awful. Which well, is the on. year of Stranger it's Things. 1984. It is 1984. Yeah. She was a woman. So what? Yeah. Wait. Wait. Guy's hair, guy's hair in the eighties was very mullety, very very yeah, very feminine. That's not a mullet. That's a fucking that's a bouffon. Oh, I, hey, do, I love a bouffon. I yeah. love a bouffon. Do oh, never never knock a bouffon in a man. Um, yeah. Um, as the man with the best hair on this podcast, I can tell you that um that Jonathan's hair is quite good. It, it, you're right. It isn't Steve's, but Jonathan's hair is okay. So definitely is. So we see Nancy obviously dealing with all of this post-traumatic stress um, and getting really pissed. And Jonathan takes her home and we obviously are getting this whole love triangle thing again. But what I find interesting, um, and this relates to uh, Dustin Lucas and Mad Max as well, is that we've all seen these sort of typical dramas with love triangles before. But to me, I don't know what it is about Stranger Things. But it makes me actually invested in them. I'm, I usually I'm not like fuck off. I don't give a shit about any of this stuff. But <laughs> but the fact that I actually really care about I care about Steve and I care about Jonathan and I care about Lucas and I care about Dustin and Mad Max and all these characters and I want to see these love triangles, you know, happen. That sounds like you want to see threesomes, like two lots of threesomes. Jesus, some of Jesus the Christ, not with the, the kids. Jesus, Gareth. Listen, mate. Those are your words. And I'm just saying, <laughs> you want to be careful, okay? Um, but you're right, and it's it's exactly that. It's because it's because you care about all of the characters, because they they they're all great characters that you actually do care about. Normally, when there's a love triangle in a a TV show or a film, like one of them has some kind of like douchey element to them, and you're like, well, that's obviously the third one who's going to end up missing out. And I guess in this case, that's supposed to be Steve, but yeah. he's also actually, like you said earlier, he's a, he's a cool guy. And I like Steve. I've actually quite liked Steve from the start. Like I know yeah. that he was a bit of a bully, but you never felt like that was 
the true Steve to Jeff. I didn't like Steve at the start of season one. And I binge watched this like two weeks ago yeah. in the space of two nights. Emma's a late comer to the <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> I'm a I'm a late bloomer, shall we say, from the Stranger Things franchise. Um but I really started to like him when he started to grow some fucking balls. And I'm just moving on from the weird Gareth and Steve romance that we just went through there. Um but I I, I think you're right. You you only invest in a love triangle for all three corners if you're invested in the characters. <laughs> Um, I'm bored, actually, of the kiddie love triangle um, because I, I'm not really invested Easy. in Max yet. In the interest of you know generating some uh, some banter, Hashtag. Uh, Gaz, are you team Steve or team Jonathan? Oh, that's a great question. That is a good question. Um, look, I reckon I'm actually going to lean towards Steve. Yeah. So, is this in relation? Are we, are we team Steve or team Jonathan to like get with Nancy or just in general? Well, yeah, to get with Nancy. No, yeah, no, because no, if it was in general, we'd all go Steve. Yeah. Jonathan's uh, well, I'm, I'm team Jonathan. I'm gonna go Steve. I'm gonna go Steve. I think he's great. Like as I said, first season, obviously not sure. Towards the end of it, liked him a bit more. But this season, now that he's turned that corner, he's, he's I mean, much stronger. In general, I'm team Steve because he's fucking brilliant. All right, but it's just the hair. It's just the hair. I'm yeah, team Jonathan. Fine. Uh, I'm going to go Team Jonathan um, only because Steve could do way better than Nancy. Um, yeah, that he's is so better off out there. He can find someone with you know hair as good as his. Yeah, that I mean, true. that is the search, isn't yeah, it? I mean, perhaps, a, perhaps a Charlie's Angel. Rushing We're going to move on to episode three, but before we do, I just want to say one little point about the end of uh, episode oh, two, yeah. which is amazing. So you've got Dustin coming back off his trick-or-treating trip oh, and shit, yeah. you hear a noise in the in the trash can it's similar to the sort of noise that will hears in the upside down like it, it, and, and, and dustin and, has heard that before and yeah he heard it in, the, in episode one i think and when um he goes to investigate the trash can i can't remember what he says exactly they cut it off at the right point and they cut to the ghostbusters music when he opens the lid and i was just was like absolutely amazing. that is Amazing! Delicious. I was like, "What is this?" They've absolutely nailed it. They've absolutely nailed it. The end of episode two, I was like, "Right, strap me in, let's do this." You know, it was so good. Did anyone else think it was delicious? It was delicious. I loved it. You Ray know. Parker Jr. Who are you gonna call? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not the line. That's not. Um, <laughs> well, he's got them lyrics wrong. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I love that. I mean, I'm not one for. Uh, I mean, what do you call it when you post something on Instagram? Social media. Social social well, media. No, but I mean, if if you're on Twitter, you what do you call it when you post something? Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you just post on. Instagram. Luckily, John's just, not in charge of our social accounts. You're insta- Instagramming. Instagram. Insta post. Insta post. What are you talking about? Just a post. It's just a post. It's just a post. All right, we'll, we'll we'll stick with that for now. Uh, I've done a post. Yeah. Fuck's <laughs> sake. On uh, on on the Instagrams. Yeah, yeah that is correct. Plural. Yeah. All <laughs> of the grams. Exactly. All of the grams. <clears throat> but that was the one thing that made me done a post on Instagrams. Was that? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> was that fucking Ghostbuster thing? I loved it. Oh, it's so that strong. That was so absolutely amazing. So strong. But that's part of the reason why I want to talk about episode three so badly is because that I've then kicks off this fantastic storyline. Yeah, hundred like, percent storyline. But- is just brilliant. So let's um let's go on to episode three after that amazing sort of end to episode two. 
Dustin discovers a strange-looking slug creature that he names Dart. He shows the boys, and Will is convinced it's from the Upside Down. Nancy has had enough of lying and goes to Jonathan to come up with a plan to try and help Barb's family. Joyce examines Will's Halloween footage and sees something very terrifying, confirming Will's visions. Hopper informs Hawkins' lab of the rot happening all around. Eleven blows her cover, trying to see Mike at school, and Dustin, using his Ghostbusters trap, tries to show Dart to the teacher, but Dart escapes, and whilst the boys are searching, Will is transported to the Upside Down, where under the advice of Bob the Brain, he tries to face his demons. But it turns out, that was a very bad idea. So, (laughs) guys... story time with Len. Yeah, story time with Len. Um, So... Let's talk about, let's just do it because I think it's it's the most shocking thing we've seen so far. Let's talk about the end of episode three. I remember, Gaz, you messaged uh, our group on uh, WhatsApp and said, has anyone seen episode three yet? And I was just about to watch it. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen? Um, the end of the episode was harrowing. Like... This is where I think they spent their budget and it looked very impressive. And not only that, it, it, it the kid who plays Will, is it Noah Schnapp? Noah Schnapp? Yeah. Noah yeah, Schnapp? Something like that. He, he was great. Um, he played that spectacularly. Yeah. And it, it blew, he blew me away, actually. And I think we all talked, well, you all talked about because I wasn't part of it. Um, the, uh, the worry that he wasn't going to be a very good actor. Yeah. Given that he hadn't done much acting in season one. Yeah. That just blew that out of the water. He was spectacular in I, that scene. He was great. And um, it was just horrifying to watch. And, yeah. and you know what? The editing um, of that last scene was amazing. Like, um, they kept cutting back to the conversation he was having back uh, with Bob the Brain, where Bob was like, just, just, I turned around and I faced my, my fears and then, and it was all all right. And, and it was just so well edited. Mm. Yeah, he has this conversation with Bob in his car and, like, yeah. you've got, I guess, just setting the scene a little bit, Will has, um, he, he quite likes Bob, like, he, he knows he's a bit yeah. of um, bit of a loser or whatever, but he, he, he likes him and he oh. says to Jonathan how, you know, like, at least doesn't look at me like a, or he doesn't treat me like a freak. He is in the car with Bob and Bob's giving him this advice and he's taking it really sincerely and Bob's advice is about this dream that he has with a with a clown, I think, wasn't it? And he keeps having yeah. this clown that recurs in in his in his nightmares. And then one day he turns around to the clown and he goes, Go away! Go away! And you just like normally when that happens in TV or film, that advice works out brilliantly. And you yeah. just you knew that Will was gonna take that advice on board at some point. And it yeah. I just it was Honestly, it was heartbreaking because he's obviously so terrified and he just thinks, like, I've got this brilliant advice from Bob. I'm going to use this. And he tells the giant spaghetti monster to go away. Go away. And and it doesn't do anything. And it just yeah. comes and invades his body. And it's horrific. Uh, it, is, it's, you know it was so hard to watch. It was devastating. Like, devastating. I think that that was the first moment where you 100% realised or accepted that this was not just potential weird visions. This was real. Yeah. And, I think for me, because well, there was still a part of me that thought, is this really happening? Is this a thing? Or Well, in the prelude to this scene, 
Joyce examines the boy's Halloween footage on the video camera and she sees the outline of the shadow monster and she matches it up to the drawings that Will has done. And that sort of tells us, like, you know, fuck, this is actually... Like, we all pretty much assumed it, but that confirms it for Joyce that this is actually happening and it's something that Will is seeing that mm. that others can't see that like as as dustin said that he's he, i think it's they've got true sight they link it to this dragon's yeah. lair ability with true sight which is the fact that you can see what goes on in the shadow realm mm. i just love the fact that once again they're tying it into all these dragon's lair game sort of uh themes but at the same time like joyce saw this coming that's why she rushes in the car to get to will um, and she just gets there too late, it looks like. Mm. Um, Can we just shout out to Winona Ryder? Yeah, again, she's great. She's impeccable. Last season, she was scatty and this uh, to the max, and I loved it. Yeah, like she, she I played don't know, it incredibly well. I, I've never seen scatty done so well, and, and this season, she's like scatty, <laughs> but just toned down a little bit. I think she's scatty, but a bit kick-ass. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Bob's helped with that. I think, you know, nah. Bob, Bob, the Bre- <laughs> just no, just no. <laughs> I like Bob, and I think him. I think her and Bob's quite sweet. If you're watching a show, and well, like, let's just say you're in a situation where you know you've got a stepdad, and it's like, I wonder what this guy is going to be like. Bob is that sort of guy where they go, he's going to come in, and it, they go one of two ways: they're extremely awful, uh, or they're just so like, oh my god, this guy is so dull, uh, and he's gone that way. Um, that's not to say I don't like him. I just yeah. think he's sweet. Well, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bumbly sweet Bob. Well, yeah. Well, no. I mean, he'll end up he'll end up doing something bad though, won't he? I hope that Bob is just a bumbling sort of buffoon and lovable character. If he turns out to be working for Hawkins Lab or the government or something, I'm going to be really disappointed. But look, like if if we're talking about, he was a bit of a, a wet blanket kid as himself, and he's saying that he was haunted by these visions as a kid, all right? He says it's a clown, but who says that that's true? Yeah, exactly. He like, might. This yeah. might be the, the reason he's sorry, Mister Baldo. Yeah, Mister Baldo's the clown. Mister Baldo. Mister Baldo. Sounds like he's actually quite a scary yeah. clown. I wonder what his hair's like, but um, not as good as Steve's. <laughs> not as good as Steve's. <laughs> Team Baldo. Team Baldo. Um, if Nancy yeah, ends up with Baldo, I, I, I'm gonna. That's the shock of the season. <laughs> <laughs> What I think is great about this episode, um, getting away from the horrific ending, is the fact that Dustin Fuck now me. has a bit more, bit more screen time because he has a new, new lovable friend who we're going to call Dart, who he calls Dart, names it after D'Artagnan and the Three Musketeers. Um, clearly likes nougat or nougat. I don't want to say in America. What do they say in America? Nougat. Noogie. Noogie. He loves noogie. Um, and I just, I love the fact that Dustin has a pet <laughs> of some sort, like this weird supernatural <laughs> pet thing. It's just a great combo, right? I mean, he's already got a couple of pets. He's got a turtle, tortoise. Like, tortoise. He just fucking took tortoise. the thing out of tortoise. The terrarium, like, yeah. Right, you, you're out of your home now. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking pissed, no. I, I think that this whole, like, Dustin and the slug, uh, which is what I've named it. <laughs> Dustin, chapter three, Dustin and the Slug. Can't wait for that season. <laughs> Dustin and Dart um, is my, one of my favourite parts of um, this episode. In fact, it might be my favourite part. Oh. There was some really good stuff, but it made me laugh so much. Well, just, yeah. It's just so adorably weird. D- Dustin has that, he has that face, doesn't he? 
um, lovable. Just where, want to like, snuggle it's it. It's just that smile. That yeah, look, it's very that good. Little grin Those that pearly has. whites. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. pearly whites, bro. Yeah. He is adorable. Yes. He's stealing the show a little bit, actually. Like he's yeah. he's yeah. been he's really good. But just on the um on the old slug, there is what about the th- thought that this could be um could be a useful friend to have, maybe. Because he seems to have a bond with him, doesn't he? Um Dustin and the slug. So what if he's able to kind of help them in a way. Do you know what I mean? Because the slug is, I think we probably all agree at this point in episode three, we're, <laughs> we're thinking this is something that's come from that slug that Will threw up, yeah. aren't we? Upside yeah, down yeah. related. I mean, yeah, with this, this right. with, the pumpkin, with the pumpkin rot that we've seen slug and bias. all that stuff and the upside down spreading, we think that this probably is an upside down monster of some sort, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... But is a monster just a monster, or can you train a monster to well, be good? Well, there was a famous movie called uh, How to Train a Monster. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, Does it remind you a little bit, and I don't know about the timing. Does this remind you a little bit, this whole scene of um, gremlins? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. don't feed it after midnight. Do, or is it don't get it wet after midnight? Don't no, get don't it wet, feed, don't, feed don't feed it after midnight. Always, always good advice. Uh, <laughs> so just get it wet and don't feed it after midnight. So um, Nancy's getting a bit closer to Jonathan now and, and she essentially breaks up with Steve in this episode to an extent where she doesn't admit his love, her love for Steve um, following on from their Ooh. drunken spat in the party. So obviously Team Jonathan is getting a bit more of a sort of a thumbs up here. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think about Nancy and Jonathan's plan or what we believe to be a plan to sort of tell Barb's family about the death of Barb. I really like them teaming up again because I thought they were fantastic together in season one. Mm. Yeah, I, I like really it. I really like their partnership. And actually, I was a bit, I'm was i still a bit confused as to what the plan is apart yeah. from telling yeah. Barb's parents that so she's dead I, in the upside down. So I got that a little bit. And I guess... Uh, um, I assume they'll explain it. It's not the most... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not the most difficult thing to follow. So maybe I'm, I'm just bored of them. I'm interested to see where this goes. I mean, as I said earlier, it's this sort of love triangle thing that they're sort of going for again. But I'm I'm into it. Like I, I'm never usually into it, but I'm into it, and I'm 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 rooting for Steve here. I'm rooting for Steve. Team Steve. Hashtag mm. Team Hair. Funnily enough, the reason we haven't spoken about Mike a lot, I feel like he's not really been part of this season. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and part of me thinks that uh, maybe it's got something to do with him being in it. Uh, maybe he's doing other stuff as well. But like he. He was. He's not really been part of this season thus far. Yeah, I think that is it. Finn Wolfhard, cool name. Yeah. Um, Very cool. Finn Wolfhard. He in the season one, he was obviously so clearly the cent- him and Eleven were the central characters, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 obviously the breakout stars of the first season. Um, and as we said, in the, I think we briefly touched upon it in the in the early, earlier in the pod. We were talking about um, the fact that he is calling out to Eleven and miss and acting out because of Eleven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he has been a bit anonymous, mm. right? Like he is there. Mm. Not, not, not. I'm not saying his performance is bad or anything, but his scenes. I guess it's the problem of a bigger cast. We're having to sort of skirt around all these different characters a bit more. Whereas in season one, we were so focused on the boys and their mission yeah, to find definitely. Will, and now we're sort of spread out a little bit more. He's had less screen time, but I think the fact that he has been acting out like we said about Eleven and his his relationship to Will he seems like the closest friend to mm. Will right mm. 
So well, because Will opens up to him about everything in yeah. this episode, doesn't he? And, before the whole catatonic. Yeah, and Mike bad and Mike ep- opens up to Will about seeing uh, going on the radio every night to talk to Eleven and. Um, and the fact that he, he still dreams about her, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. He has visions of Eleven and, he, yeah. and Will has visions of the Upside Down. Um, I hope we get more of him though, because Fimble Park is fantastic. Yeah, he's great. And and uh, it, is, it is a shame, but at the same time, we've got a, like, like I think earlier was a good thing, expand the universe slightly, focus on some other characters. But not to the detriment of our core four. No, I, but I still think that... He's getting screen time, but it's just not as much as season one. And I think that's what's a bit jarring. Who's the core four? Who's the core four, yeah. Lads, in it? What about Max? Well, she wasn't in no, season one, neither the fuck is she? Definitely not, yeah. yeah. She's definitely good at, She's definitely growing into nah, this core ca- uh, into so a core character. So we're saying the core four is... Lucas, Dustin, Mike and Will. Yeah, and again, like Lucas is another one. Like, these first three episodes, like, again... I mean, what's he doing? I hitting on I, Max. I, I, he's in love. I don't. I don't think he's had a lot of screen time. No, but he, I don't think he had that much screen time in comparison to the other two in season one either. Mm. Mm. Uh, Not as much. There were some really good, really good parts for Lucas in season mm. one, but I thought I thought he was less of a major. All character. I can remember of Lucas in the first three episodes is him being unreasonable about not being Winston. But other than that. <laughs> <laughs> wow I hope that we get more of all of them because I think they are absolutely fantastic but they are what has drawn us into Stranger Things aren't they yeah I think um, I think these first three episodes I said episode one I wasn't too keen on just because I felt it was overselling the 80s and it was over and it was setting the scene but now end of episode three I am all into this it is very much um, just so engrossing the, just the characters the world I'm just, I'm just loving it. So I cannot wait to finish this podcast and uh, go watch episodes four to six, and then come back and talk about it again with you guys because it's so good. We have uh, the next episode of this coming out in about the next uh, few days after this one is posted, and we also have our Walking Dead podcast, which Ooh. is Boo Walking Dead. No, we Fucking do, shit, we Jesus. love, we love, we love the Walking Dead, and we hate it at the same time. That's the beauty of it. If you watch uh, Walking Dead, please check that out. We're not too overly harsh, but we like to have some fun with it. We like to have some. We like to have some fun with it, don't we? That's only because I wasn't in. If you ever listen to our podcast, I mean, we are horrible. Yeah, but but so check that out. Uh, we've also got Thor Ragnarok, which will be out hopefully in the next week or two. So um, I want to say thank you to John. Cheers. Thanks to Emma. See ya. Thanks to Gaz and the Upside Down. Latest potatoes. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.